If you have your Bibles for just a few moments, I will turn your attention to a book that you probably don't even know exists, the book of Philemon, because you've never heard me preach from it before that I know of, but it's in your Bible. It's tucked away between Titus and Hebrews. It's one chapter, but it is such a powerful letter. Just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about something the Lord uh, impressed on my heart a while back. Amen. Philemon chapter 1, verse number 10. When you get it, say amen. They're going to have it up on the screen here in just a moment. Would remind you to be prayerful of the uh, Brother Hilton's family, uh, Sister Linda. Uh, mother passed away and they have her funeral tomorrow, so they're in Dallas. Also, I got a call just before I came in. They've had to take Sister Duval back to the hospital, so please be prayerful of her situation and that God would be with them. Philemon chapter 10, verse, or chapter 1, verse number 10. Paul writing to uh, his friend Philemon who was uh, connected to him from prior experience. He is writing a letter to his friend about a new convert by the name of Onesimus. And when I was reading this chapter a while back, this verse just leaped out at me and God began to talk to me. He said, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten or birthed in my imprisonment. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about things that are begotten in prisons. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I was talking to a friend of mine just a little while ago at Brother Macy's and he had had a transition in his ministry a few months back, had pastored for 13 years and is now fulfilling a different role as an administrative pastor in another church. And we were talking a little bit, asked him how he was doing, and he made a comment. He said, I think probably the most difficult part of my life right now is figuring out what my calling is because I seem so out of place. And he made this statement and I had to smile when he made it because I've made it myself. And he said, Brother Hughes, I never dreamed in all of my life that I would be where I am at this time. I never envisioned myself to be here. I always thought I would be in another position or further along. And I smiled not because of his misery, but because how often I have thought myself, I, I should be farther along than this. I, I should be 
doing better than I am. I should have already won the victory over this thing or I should have already defeated this problem in my life. One thing that I I said to him and that I have reminded myself of is that if we were given the opportunity to write our life story, I'm certain that it would be written a lot different than it has been written. But we don't always get the opportunity of doing that. We simply have to live out what life brings to us. If we had our choice, certainly we would have... We would have leveled out a lot of the bumpy places in life and we would have eliminated a lot of the mountains that we've had to climb. I've never climbed a real mountain, but I feel sometimes like a mountaineer because I seems like most of my life is climbing up rugged mountains and most of the time it's on the rough side. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just, uh, it's just the way life often is. We don't always find ourselves where we want to be. But I have learned that even in those situations that are not ideal and they are not as I would have written if I had scripted my story, I would not have written it the way it has been written. I, I'm certain that I would have not written into my life some of the dark places that I've had to go through. I, I would not have written into my life some of the painful things that me and my family have had to go through. I, I would have eliminated that. But the truth is those things are really what have helped make us who we are. And we have to learn to, that, that in life, There is a possibility of flourishing even when our circumstances are not ideal. We can still have a fruitful life and we can still be blessed. If you were to look at the credentials of the Apostle Paul, what you would find most notable about him is that he spent more time in prison than he did in church. You wouldn't have picked him as a speaker for your next candidate for the church opening. He wouldn't have been called even to this church when it was in its infancy with just a handful of people. Because when you look at him, he's got a, he's got a record. He's been in more prisons than you can name. And he's uh, every time you turn around, he's back in jail. And, uh, and so things, in, as far as the Apostle Paul was concerned... We're not always like we would want it. It would seem to me that I could be more effective if I didn't have these limitations on me. If if I didn't have this pain in my body tonight, I think I could serve God uh, in a better capacity. If if I didn't have this burden on my life, if, if I didn't have to deal with this problem that I have to deal with on a daily basis, it seems to me that I would be more effective like the thorn in Paul uh, in his flesh that when you, when you look at it, you would say, God, I, I think if you would just take that out of my life, I know that I could do more for you and I know that I could be more efficient and proficient in my work for you. And God said, no, Paul, 
You're going to have to learn how to live for me even with a thorn in your flesh. And so when I look at Paul and I realize what all he had to live through, I recognize that there's a spiritual principle that God is going to try to get through to me on a regular basis. And that is that you must learn how to be fruitful and even do more than that. You must learn how to flourish even in the most uninviting of situation. Even if there's something in your life that you pray, God, if you would just move this, I, 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 could, I could do better. If I didn't have to get up in the morning and deal with this, if I didn't have to feel this pressure, if I didn't have to deal with this issue, I, I know that I would be more faithful to you. I know that I would be more effective. Paul no doubt thought he would have been a better preacher if he didn't have that thorn in his flesh. But God said, Paul... You're going to have to learn how to bring the preacher out of you even with a thorn in you. And so he learned that God's grace is sufficient for all things. But my point is that when we look at our life, we envision it with a lot less stress. And we envision it with a lot more even plain. And when we don't get that and we find ourselves on this up and down roller coaster called life. Sometimes we get frustrated. We dream of better things and we dream of a better home or a better future or a better job or a better marriage or a better whatever. And, and it doesn't come about as, as easy as as the dream, the dream comes so fluidly. I remember Brother Harold telling me when he went through a, a year of almost total blindness in his left eye. And uh, he went to all the doctors in Bridge City and the Golden Triangle trying to find somebody that could help him. And they couldn't do anything to make it better. It was right after Rita and all of the storm damage that had happened there. And then he lost the sight in his left eye. And he would go to the doctors and he would get these lenses put in. And none of it would help him. He said for one solid year, he said, I dreamed that I could see. And he said it was, it was you know, most, most dreams are in black and white. But he said my dreams were in technicolor. He said they were so vivid and real that when I would wake up in the morning, I, I would wake up knowing God healed me last night. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to see. But when he opened his eye, there was still that blackness and darkness of an eye that had problems. And so for one year he goes through this and he said, I dreamed over and over and over. Dreams come easily. We, we envision better things, but then we have to wake up and live with what is. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Paul didn't want to be in prison. I don't think he relished going to jail. I don't think he volunteered to be there. I don't think Paul... Uh, went out of his way to irritate people. I, I don't believe that he intentionally did things to aggravate the officials so that they would put him in prison. But Paul found himself more often in prison than anywhere else. 
And, and many of the letters that he wrote to the New Testament church were written out of a prison cell. They came out of his experience there. So when you're reading the New Testament and you come to Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians, you need to understand that those letters were not written at Starbucks with a nice latte sitting on the counter and a nice muffin warmed up and ready for you to eat. They didn't come out of him having a full meal and a breakfast and getting out of a warm bed and sitting down at a desk. They came many times from the dark cell a dungeon that was so black that you couldn't even see anything around you and the filth and the stench of that place but Paul learned that it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter the environment that you find yourself in that you can learn that God is just as real in there as he is when you are free to worship him any way that you want to worship him and the truth is that until you learn how to worship him there worshiping him in your freedom will never mean what it ought to mean to you hallelujah and so in prison he reached out historians say that Paul was so effective in his evangelism that they had to began rotating his guards every few minutes. They could not risk leaving a guard chained to him for more than just a few minutes. Not an hour, not a day, but just a few minutes. Because if they left that man there more than a few minutes, he was going to be converted. That means he was going to be taught the gospel. He was going to be told about the death, burial, and resurrection. He was going to be told about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidence with speaking another tongue. And historians said that they had to start changing his guard every few minutes because he would convert them and they would... They would have been no value to the Roman government. So Paul in a prison looks across at a prison mate who is a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. And he begins to talk to him. And before you know it, Paul's got him on his knees. And Paul has prayed him through. He has, I, I believe that's what happened because that's the message that Paul preached. Paul said, if you want to know what my gospel is, read the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He said, I'm going to tell you what my gospel is. My gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord. And those three things were tied in repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So when you hear Paul preaching the gospel, that's what he was talking about. And here in a prison cell, with a man on his knees praying with him, he received the one truth and the revelation of the mighty God in Christ and then he's set free and so Paul takes the time to write a letter to his friend Philemon and tell him a little bit about what's happened and then that's where this verse this 10th verse comes that he was begotten in prison begotten when I, when I read that God began to speak to me how many times in your life have you spent time in a prison 
And all you did was complain and moan and whine and cry about how life was unfair when the truth is that cell could have become a cell. It could have become the birthplace of something wonderful and powerful. And it could have been the beginning of something new. And so in a prison cell, in, a, in an environment that was less than ideal, in, in a place that he didn't want to be, he birthed something. He, he begot a child, a spiritual child in that ugly, ugly environment. When I began to read that, the Lord began to talk to me and say, you know what? You can be fruitful in a bad situation. You can still live a fruitful and a productive life and not have a perfect family. You can have a dysfunctional family and still be fruitful. You can have a dysfunctional job situation and you can still be fruitful because your fruitfulness is not decided by your situation. It's decided by what's on the inside of you and the God that you're connected to. And so whatever your situation is, that doesn't mean that you cannot be productive and that God cannot use you. You can beget things even from a prison. You can birth things. You can bring things to life even in a most undesirable situation. Not only that, but your circumstances do not have to determine your destiny. Amen. Your situation, your, your environment that you're forced into does not have to determine your destiny. And so out of a prison, out of an unlikely place, Paul brings forth these children to God. He is useful in such an environment. When I began to read that, I felt a condemnation that came over me because I have never been in a prison. Oh, I've been in what I thought was a prison, but I've never really been in that kind of situation. I've been in some tight places. I, I, I've had to deal with some ugly things in my life. But I've, I, when I look back over them, I, 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 I cannot see a lot of fruitfulness I don't see a lot of a blessing that comes out of that. And God said, I want you to understand that as a child of God, you can be productive even when things are not as they ought to be. You can be a productive member of my family and still have to live in a hellish situation. You can be a child of God connected to me and the power of my abilities and still have to deal with hellish things on a daily basis. Amen. He was begotten in prison. Amen. Begotten in prison. I wish that I could pray over everybody tonight and eliminate all of your problems. But I'm just not that connected to God. I, I wish that I could sit down behind a desk and counsel with you and be wise enough to tell you something that when you left there, it would eliminate all your problems. But I can tell you this.
that even if those problems are not eliminated, it doesn't mean that you cannot be effective and fruitful in living for God. Amen. I don't know why I'm preaching this tonight. God knows I didn't have it, I didn't plan on it, but the Lord began to talk to me and I, I can't get away from it. There are just some things that we're going through in our life that we don't have any explanation for it, and there's no rhyme or reason. But it doesn't matter. Quit putting your focus on those things and realize it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you have to deal with on a daily basis. God's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than whatever is against you. He's bigger than whatever is opposing you. He's bigger than whatever is fighting you right now. And if you would realize that, you would begin to do what Paul did. He would find opportunities to minister, opportunities to do things, opportunities to reach out, opportunities to let God be God. And out of a prison, he begot a son many sons, but this one in particular, out of a prison cell, birthed in an unlikely place. But God said, that's what I want out of you. The world's not going to get any better. The situation you're living in isn't going to get any prettier. You got to make up your mind that it doesn't matter if it gets better or not. I, I'm going to be fruitful. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to put myself in a place where God can use me. Amen. I, I want, I, I want to give birth to some things, even when things are imperfect. Amen. I, there, there's, if, if I could script the story of this church, I'm telling you, there would be a lot of things that I would have eliminated through the years, but I want to tell you, when our greatest revival has come, it's been when we faced our greatest opposition. Amen. I told the leadership team yesterday that the devil fights the most what he fears the most. And so whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever fight you feel going on, just realize the reason the devil is fighting you so hard is because he fears what that will produce if you bring it in contact with the power of God. And so he fights us. He opposes us. You know what? I've learned sometimes you have to paddle upstream. Sometimes you have to make up your mind. If I'm going to make it, I'm going to have to make it all by myself. I may not have one person encouraging me. I may not have one person lifting my hand. I may not have one voice saying anything good to me, but if I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it because I make up my mind that I'm going to make it. Let's stand together. I wish I was a, a soothsayer and could tell you what 2014 holds. I don't have a clue. Sometimes when I look ahead and I listen to some of the people that are speaking like they know what the future holds, I get really discouraged. But I don't know, and neither do they. Do know this, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Amen. It's going to get worse. And we can fold our arms and say, well, it just ain't going to work, Brother Hughes. We, we, we would do better if we didn't have to fight so hard. 
Amen. We'd do better if we didn't have to struggle so much. Praise God. Our life is in that struggle. That's where our strength is. Paul taught me something about life. That even in a prison, you need to understand that the power of God is not limited. Whatever your unfavorable situation is, God's power is not limited by that situation. God's greater than that. Amen. Amen. Our greatest victories come when we have to press the most. Amen. God's got something great for this church this year. I know that. I know it. I, I, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. But it's not going to just flow through that back door like warm honey. We're going to have to dig it out. We may have to birth it in a prison. Amen. We may have to birth it in an unlikely place, but wherever we have to be, I want God to work. I want God's power manifest in this place. We're going to have to dig it out. Amen. Some of us are waiting on revival. That's a tragedy because revival is waiting on us. Amen. You know where revival is? Revival's in these hands right here. Revival's in this mouth right here. Revival's in this heart right here. Yeah. Revival's in these arms. Revival's in these feet. Amen. If we're going to see it, if we're going to have it, we're going to have to do it in an ugly, ugly environment. But I'm not afraid of that. God's great. Amen. God's great. Is anybody here hungry for a great move of God? Amen. Listen to me. Is there anybody that's more than just hungry? You're willing to do whatever you got to do and go wherever you've got to go and do and be whatever you've got to be to see that great revival come. Anybody here? God, right now, come on. Come on to the altar. Meet me here right now. Holy Ghost, right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now. I hunger for it.